I hope you were paying attention. The second reading was actually a prayer. And I think that's probably the best place for us to start. This is St. Paul basically praying for you. This prayer has been read every year for the last 2,000 years. So in a sense, there's 2,000 years worth of prayer for you. This is what Paul's saying. Basically what he's saying is, may God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his call holds for you. What rich glories he has promised the saints will inherit and how infinitely great is the power that he has exercised for us as his believers. God, I just pray tonight that you would really give us this grace to open our minds and our hearts that we could see what you've given us. I don't know whether you've... Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen the glory that awaits you? Seeing a few in the head saying, no. <laughs> I think that's tragic. This is what Paul's saying. Like, If only you could see it. If only you could understand what awaits you. And he's praying desperately that our eyes would be open, that this, the scales would, be, would fall from our eyes and we could actually see what's in front of us. If we could see it, how different everything would be. If we could actually see the hope that awaits us. Because what we've just been celebrating the last six weeks is the most monumental story ever. That there will never be a story better than this. That this is... This is God who has loved us so much that he has come to us, humbled himself. You know, we go back a few months ago, back at Christmas, we were celebrating this. A God who is so madly in love with you that he would become a screaming helpless child. So helpless that, you know, this is the madness of it, that we celebrate a God who wets his pants. Helpless baby. It sounds blasphemous, but this is how desperate the love of God is for you. Five weeks ago, or six weeks ago, we celebrated the fulfilment of this love where God now pours himself out upon the cross and just says, this is my love for you. How desperate God is that we would look up and see it. This is like a mad lover who's just like, please pay attention to me. Can't you see my heart for you? What lengths do I have to go to before you start to look up and and realise And so here we now come to this place of the ascension and preparation for Pentecost where God's now saying, I just want to now flood your heart with love. I want to pour out life upon you. I want to just bless you with gifts. If only you would look up and see it. But the tragedy is that most of us are never looking up. I think most of us have just given up. Or... or, even worse, I think we're sitting there sort of, sort of saying, is that the best you can do, God? Really? I don't even ever see this inside your heart. Like, they're, they're, I think there's something in the human heart which is just utterly dissatisfied. God goes to the ends of the earth to try to pour out his love to us. And we're bored. We're utterly bored. You know, I... I I see this so often, you know, where people are just like, really? God? Why? (laughs) And I think this is what St. Paul's trying to say, that there is something that's clouded us. There's something that's come over our hearts. And really what it is, is self-worship. 
You know, there is nothing God could do which would impress us. God could come through and perform the most profound miracles. And I think half of us would be sitting here going, meh, whatever. Really what we're looking for is to God to come over and say, start worshipping us, I think, really. You know, I, think, I think that's the only thing that would get our attention. But at that point, I think we've missed the whole point. And really what we celebrate here in the Ascension, we need to wake up and look at what God's doing here. As we heard in the psalm, God mounts his throne with shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets to the Lord. This is the moment where the risen Christ, Christ who has now defeated death, there is no enemy greater than death. He is now triumphant, he is victorious, and he now rises rises up to heaven to be crowned as the eternal king. King not only over heaven, but over earth, over death, over hell, over everything. He is now triumphant over everything of creation. And you see this through the scriptures when Jesus is going around performing miracles. Everything answers to him. Death answers to him. When he says a word, the dead are raised. The world of evil spirits answer to him. When he says a word, the the devils are cast out. Creation answers to him. When he speaks a word, everything changes. Food is multiplied. The, The sea is calmed. The storm finishes. Everything answers to him because he is the triumphant king. The only part of creation that does not bow down before him is you. In this strange twist in the story, in some sense, you are more powerful than God. Or at least he's given you the ability to say no to him. You can say no. Everything else has to follow him. Everything else bows down before him but us. There's a line, what we heard here is from the first chapter of Ephesians. If you go to chapter 4, St. Paul starts talking about the ascension. And St. Paul, who knows the scriptures inside out, he intentionally misquotes Psalm 68. It's not a mistake. He's trying to say something to us here. Psalm 68 uses this image of a triumphant king who has now defeated the army, he raises himself up victorious, and everyone has to now pay tribute to him. Everyone has to give him gifts to say, you are mighty, you are almighty and great, and we now bow down before you. St. Paul changes it. He says, he ascended into heaven and he conquered everything. He took, took humanity captive, but he has now given gifts to us. You see, this is, this is the beautiful thing of what Jesus has done. That he now ascends into heaven as the victorious king. But he pours out his gift upon us. And this is the gift that Paul was praying for. The gift of life. The gift of the spirit. The gift of the resurrection. He gives the gift to us who don't deserve it. The gift to us who killed him. We were the ones who chained him and scourged him and beat him and crowned him with thorns. He now crowns us with glory. He now breaks our chains. He now sets us free. 
And more than that, he now gives us the gift of his spirit so that his very divine life would be in us. That we would no longer live with a human life, but we would now live with the very life of God. This is what St. Paul's praying for. God, break open the blindness that we could actually start to see what's been given to us. That we would no longer start chasing after most trivial things of the world. That we would no longer try and fill ourselves with sin because we feel like we've been orphaned, because we feel like God's left us. But open our eyes to actually see the grace that's in our midst. Open our eyes to start to see the love that's been poured out upon us so that we would no longer go hungry. We would no longer have to try and eat out of the dumpster because we would realise the banquet that's here before us in the Eucharist. That's what Paul's praying for. This is the gift of Pentecost. This is what awaits us. If we could truly claim our inheritance as Christians and to really realise that this heavenly life begins now, that we have the ability to know the mind of God, as St. Paul says in the letter to the Corinthians, that we are no longer bound in this this sort of life of decay that is humanity. But God is now reversing history. Ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, humanity has just been on this downward spiral. Everything working towards death and everything working towards decay. But God has now reversed it and we are now part of that whole new current of the Spirit where at every moment he's bringing life and he's bringing renewal. This is why he was working so many healings during the time of his ministry. Because these healings were a prophecy of what our life is to be. The fact that he's now turned the tide. It's no longer about death, it's now about life. If only we can allow ourselves to be captured by the risen Christ. If we can end that rebellion within our hearts, which is in that constant struggle, fighting against God, we want to be worshipped. We want to be the centre of the universe. If we can allow ourselves to actually be, be captured by the victorious one, to lay down the battle and to say, Lord, you win. To be able to look upon the cross and realise that that love now captures me and I no longer want to fight against it. That's the point where we win at the point where we declare defeat before the love of God, that's the point where we win and we receive the grace, we receive the gifts, we receive the eternal life. But we need to allow our hearts to really repent. You know, to really look within ourselves and realise how much I'm trying to stay in control, how much I'm fighting against him. You know, even in the smallest of my little sins every day, this is me trying to claim that I'm actually God and not him. As we prepare for Pentecost, we need to really repent of this stuff. When St. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached to all the people there in Jerusalem, he said two very clear things of what you had to do. Be baptised and repent of your sin 
and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Empty yourself to make way for the gift. Empty ourselves of all the rubbish, all the things that get in the way, all the false idols. Abandon it and allow Christ to now be be, be victorious over our life. And then you will be filled. Then God will be able to stir up this grace within you. If you remember last Sunday, if you were here, Father Ken brought out that big jug of milk and he, he filled it with chocolate syrup down the bottom. And then he had that very big spoon to stir it up. By basically trying to show what this baptism of the Holy Spirit does. How it stirs up the grace of God within us. It's a beautiful image, but I don't think it captures the reality all that well. Because the reality is that that vessel is filled with rocks. And so no matter how much you want the Spirit to stir up within you, the spoon's not going to get down to where the syrup is. You know, we could be here praying for God to give us the grace to stir up this life within us, but we've got to empty ourselves before that grace starts to impact. And so this is where, in this last week before Pentecost, we really want to encourage ourselves to to turn away from some stuff, to really start handing over some of those big blockages that's going to stop the Spirit from really entering in. Our pride, our vanity all the things we do to try and fill that spiritual emptiness within us, all those ways that we try to dominate and be in control and and not allow God to be God. The promise that Jesus gives us is if you hand that over, if you make way and really empty yourself to allow God to come in, he will fill you with life in abundance. This is the whole point of why he came. This gift, this promise is in our midst, if only we could see it. So as we come into this Mass, let's really pray that our eyes would be opened, that we could start to hunger for what's in front of us. We could start to see just the tiniest glimpse of this love and this life, and that that would give us the strength and the motivation to really empty ourselves to receive more and more.